0: Thank you, Pizza, and thank you very much for- Show today, my name is Rami's on with us here from Sergeant Voyager. he's getting not meet uh two weeks ago, unfortunately, but he's here today getting himself a cup of coffee getting ready to talk to us about Fifth Passenger and Sergeant Voyager and you know J. Edgar and One Tree Hill, all kinds of things. I hope you had a great week. I had a fantastic week going into my next week, next week. well, next week. <laughs> I'm very, very much looking the forward to it. Today we have
1: a, a nice show.
0: The Voyager and Star Trek have been one of the greatest inspirations in my life since I was a young boy. So it's a great pleasure to have some of the cast from the Star Trek universe, which, by the way, are very well connected to the Battlestar Galactica. I want everybody to take back, relax, this is a Spanish guitar. I'm right here with you. Thank you very much for today. I'm your host, Pethan for miles of Miles Radio. Thank you. Did you see any of Star Wars? I never wanted anything to end faster my entire life, <laughs> but I've been some horrible relationships in my existence. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us here for Cinephiles Radio. I'm your host here, Steve Pisa. Thank you very much for joining us on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific time. I greatly appreciate it. Well, we have a fantastic guest today. We have Manu Interami. I'm going to get his name down correctly. It is spelled a little differently than the way it's pronounced. Uh, of course, I shouldn't complain because kids called me pizza all my life, which is hilarious. By the way, my, my last name has, has an S in there, not a Z. <laughs> How was your week, everybody? My week was great. What movies did you watch? Did you watch any TV shows? Anything new? Did you see the Flash and Arrow crossover? That episode was fantastic. There was a Flash episode this week that had Arrow in it. And there was an Arrow episode that had the Flash in it. Both were Great. Episode has tended to lean towards pragmatism, realism, all that stuff. And The Flash goes towards the Marvelous, and I really enjoy that. Both of them have just different tastes. Of course, you know, what's really nice is they're trying to get Arrow out of that grounded Christopher Nolan feel because it gets old after three seasons, four seasons, you know. And if you ever watch the show, there's only so many people who could be on a deserted island, which is kind of shocking when you see the show. It's like, wow, you found another person on that island? Not even Lost found that many people on their own. (laughs) But anyways, I think Flash is a fantastic show. Arrow is picking up as well. Do you have any movie news this week? My favorite movie news this week was The Suicide Squad. Also known as Task Force X. Where can you find Task Force X? If you watch uh, Justice League Unlimited, in the first season you'll see an episode called Task Force. Force X. That is relatively an episode of The Suicide Squad. And then there was a movie called Attack on Arkham, which is basically The Suicide Squad. And it has Batman in it as well. I think it's closer to what the movie is going to be about. Now, if you don't know what the movie is about, The Suicide Squad is basically Amanda Waller who is in charge of a secret part of the government who hires superpowered bad guys or bad girls, to do missions that other people are unwilling to do. And Batman and Superman don't kill people. So when you send in Deathstroke or Harley Quinn into a mission, they have zero problems killing people because they're psychopaths. So this is who they call upon. So who do we have for the new movie? I'm only going to give you a couple names because I want you to look it up yourself. It's very important. You give it attention. You give it money. You go to the movie and see it. And they'll make more of these things. I think Clory Moretz made the great comment about Kick-Ass 2, which was, of course there'll be a Kick-Ass 3 if you would have paid for it the first time, which is Kick-Ass 2. It was a very highly pirated film. And they wouldn't make a third film because it was highly pirated. Now, I understand pirating. I'm I'm totally for downloading films. Totally. So is Neil Gaiman from Sandman. We all believe in the same copyright infringement and all that stuff. We believe in the same thing. Everybody should have the freedom to download whatever they want. But here's the thing. If you want to see more Christopher Nolan films, you have to see it in the theaters. I'm sorry. You have to. Go see it in the theaters and then go download it. That way you'll have a, a saved copy until the DVD comes out. That's what I do. I mean, I'm not saying I download it. I have friends of friends of friends of friends and a cousin of a friend. <laughs> I don't need to download anything. But what I'm saying here is that if you want these movies to exist, like Star Trek, Star Wars, um, any of these weird films coming out soon from Marvel or from DC, like Suicide Squad, which is an incredible film. You have to go watch it. Now, here's the thing. Who is directing the Suicide Squad? Well, I'll give you a little hint. There was a f- movie that just came out very recently, which is kind of ironic. It's called Fury. Fury is one of the highly pirated films of this year. As a matter of fact, Sony just made it out. A comment saying that it was leaked out by somebody from the inside. So you can find fury on torrent sites all over the place, which is kind of sad, considering the fact that they've spent so much money to make this film that starred Brad Pitt and had uh, Shia LaBeouf and what have you. And people should go watch this film. You should watch this movie. Make sure this movie makes money. That'll guarantee this director for Suicide Squad. Guarantee it. I mean, he's already guaranteed, but you know, anything can happen within a year. Now, they have Jared Leto as the Joker. Now, that is the big shocker. That's the big awesome move. Now, is that a good choice? Let's talk about that for a second. Is Jared Leto or Leto a good choice for the Joker? Yes. And I'll, I'll give you an argument here. Heath Ledger. How many of you joked and laughed at Heath Ledger becoming the Joker? How many of us? How many of us? Even I went. You mean the guy from 10 Things Bad About You? Or 10 Things Wrong About You? Or 10 Things I Hate About You? Whatever name it was called. I watched it and I loved it. but Like that? A Knight's Tale? That guy? And tell me he's not the quintessential Joker now. Seriously. And how about X-Men Days of Future Past? We laughed at Quicksilver's outfit. Look at that. That is the stupidest outfit I've ever seen in my life. Blah, 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 blah. Was it the stupidest outfit I've ever seen in my life? Mm, it wasn't fantastic. It was more like a grayed-out Batman with that utility belt. Was it the best scene of the entire film? Yes. If you would have brought him on the last mission, would he have basically ended the movie about 45 minutes earlier? Yes. I think that was a mistake, by the way. That was an error in writing and also in publication. Because When you have Quicksil- Quicksilver, who's basically a time god or a time lord like Doctor Who, he can pretty much do anything. So I think Jared Leto is going to be a great Joker. We have Harley Quinn in this film, which is actually one of my favorite characters, female characters in the DC universe. Harley Quinn used to be a psychiatrist at at Arkham Asylum. And then she became insane and then obsessed with the Joker. the next thing you know, she's Harley Quinn. She's an excellent character. Excellent character. You have Deathstroke being played by Will Smith. And here's the big news, is Amanda Waller. Amanda Waller... Is a very, very strong character. You'll see her in an image, if you look up Amanda Waller for the DC Universe, of her pointing her finger at Batman and Batman backing up really far back, being scared, of course, of this government official. It's pretty sweet. But it goes to show what type of personality she has, a very strong personality. And, and the issue about her is, is she a good guy, is she a bad guy? Well, she's a good guy in one aspect, because she follows the government advice, because People are afraid of the Justice League after a while. I mean, they're all powerful. They have meta-human powers. They're, they're extraordinary. They're miracles. And the government becomes afraid of them. Why wouldn't they? So they create a special ops in order to research, uh, create their own superheroes. Defeat called Catamus. That's where Power Girl comes from, by the way. Supergirl's clone. For all you nerdists out there. But it's a very interesting storyline. So I'm very Very, very much looking forward to um, Suicide Squad, directed by the director of of Fury. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, here is you know, and who was who was called upon for Amanda Waller? Oprah Oprah Winfrey, which is pretty incredible. Oprah is a pretty incredible character. Have you seen her in The Color Purple? She's an excellent actress, excellent. So I cannot wait to see her in that. What movies did you see this week? Did you see any good movies this week? Tell us. Give us a call here at 657-383-1444. Again, 383-14444. The uh, area code is 657. We're going to take a small little break here for 60 seconds. We'll be right back. Right, making sure our guests are lined up and ready to go. All right, thank you very much, everybody, for being patient today. I greatly appreciate it. So we're going to bring on our, our guest today, which is Manu Interami. We're very proud to have him on the show today. Hello, sir. How are you?
2: Hey, guys. What's happening?
0: Oh, we're doing great. We're, we're very happy to have you on the show today. Thank you very much for joining us so, so early on at 10 a.m. I know it's hard for you. You work so hard all week <laughs> long, and I know you got got the, the fifth passenger going on. You know that stuff is tough. So how you well, been? Oh
2: yeah, I've, I've been good. I'm sorry I missed the last show. Everybody out there listening, that was way lame with me. But uh, I'm here today. You know, Sunday is like the one day that I take off.
0: Uh, so it it was really uh, I slept through it last time. <laughs> you know, it was meant to happen, and, and we had a great conversation about other things. But you know, this just lifts the the anticipation for you to enter the show. But we wanted to be on the show. You know, I've been a big big fan of your character since I was a little kid, as a matter of fact. It was very interesting. But, of course, I always thought that you started in Star Trek Voyager, but you didn't. You actually started in different shows, like Pacific Blue and Unhappily Ever After and Senseless and Jag. Before we get to any of those shows, let's start off from the beginning. How did, how did you enter into film? Was this, was this something that, that was in your mind, something you desired from the beginning? Or is this something that maybe your family introduced you to?
2: No, when I was a kid, um, I, I knew I, that's what I wanted to do. I was like four years old, and I saw I saw a, a play in McCall, Idaho, called you know Peter Pan at a community theater. And I remember being four or five and knowing for sure that that's what I wanted to do with my life. Once those actors started flying around on their little wires, I, I decided right. that, that that's what I wanted. And, you know, for most of my childhood and teenage Upbringing, we moved around quite a bit. So I would do community theaters and plays, and and then when I was seventeen, I moved out to L.A. and um, finished up high school and uh, went out to study and pursue it. And within three years, there got on on Voyager. But what uh, was well, what I was wow. lucky? The lucky thing that happened was that I, the way that I got the entrance is I was doing a play called Marvin's Room, which they ended up making a a film with uh, DiCaprio and De Niro and those guys, a film about cancer and um, this troublemaking kid is is in it. And um, I was doing the play in San Luis Obispo, and there was a a manager in the audience who was a friend of mine's um, mother. And she just approached me after the show and said, what are you doing after high school? Where are you going? And I said I was going to go study in L.A. and, she said, "Well, let me manage you, and I'll get you an agent." And so she set up interviews for me, and I, I sort of just jumped off
0: on the right foot there. You
2: know?
0: That's fantastic. So, so you are that story of somebody finding you uh, and then introducing you into a new hemisphere. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's now
2: you know, a lot of people come out to LA with an idea that they want to do it, but they don't know how to go about getting an agent or getting a manager. I very well could have been on one of those kids that just spent years out there without looking for representation or knowing how to go about it. And as, at a young age, it was, it was helpful to have someone that knew.
0: <laughs> so, so tell me, how did that how did that occur? Was do you think it was just being at the right place at the right time? Do you think it was just fate, or 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 you just pushing for this, and the energy was just there?
2: Yeah, I think probably a little bit of both. I think that's how the world works in my mind: a little bit of magic, a little bit of um, action taking, and a little bit of thought. <laughs> probably both. Right. Um, but you know, there's. I think the, the the woman she was a, you know, she was a friend of mine, Aaron Metchick's mom, um, and she so she'd watched right. me in the drama program when she watched her son in the in the in the plays. So I think she just had an eye out and saw some talent there, and, and decided to take a swing at it with me, and I'll, I'll be forever thankful.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, it's interesting because out of all the kids in, you know, the Star Trek universe, the the three characters that stand out the most is, uh, of course, Wesley Crusher, and then your mm-hmm. character, and then Hanate. Uh, because they're they're pivotal characters to the storyline, as well as connected to some of the main characters. And it's interesting because I went back to look at your episodes again, and I didn't I didn't have to. I already memorized all of your episodes. It was strange. Your 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 character was very pivotal to the se- pivotal to the uh, episode or to the uh, season, the, the second to the last season and the last season because seven and nine connection with you.
2: Yeah, there was some great writing for him those last two seasons. Um, yeah, for me, I thought the character started out. I was a little disappointed for the first couple episodes because, uh, like, that's what people refer to it the quite a bit as one of the kids. And I was right. 21 years old when I got the part, so I considered myself get my out of here.
1: <laughs> you were 21, right? <laughs> no,
2: yeah. So, so wow. they, you know, they think. Of, I think a lot of people think of Icheb as like a teenager, and I, I thought of yeah. him more as like a nineteen, twenty-year-old guy. Um, wow! But I looked really young, so and but so I the first couple episodes he was kind of a bratty kid. He didn't have a lot to say. He was just kind of no, I don't want to do that, you know. And, right. Uh, and then they the first episode of season seven, the imp- imperfection. Um, right. Oh no! No child's play when they sent the kid, the other kids oh. home, and almost sent me home. my mode. yeah, I love that. That's and that's when the writing for him got really good, and they they sort of made him more of a pivotal uh, character on well, on board. And uh, well, you were the
0: quintessential Christ figure right there. You're, you're the one who is meant to. You, you know, this is funny because not a lot of people realize this, but you you are actually a secret weapon for the board. And if you look at the last, very last episode, it was the uh, the serum that was in your blood that killed the Borg at the very last episode that got them to Earth. I,
2: I'm glad you picked up on that. That's what I thought,
0: too, but I wasn't sure. Yes. I mean, a lot of people don't pick that up. I'm like, you guys not yeah. see what's happening here? They wouldn't have the serum without yeah. E-Chip. A, yeah, I mean, the episode before it. that, they Yeah. <laughs> people don't realize it at all. Yeah. Anyways. Um I, I love I love that episode of Child's Play, mostly because you're you're on there with Mark Shepherd as playing your father.
2: Yeah, good actor that guy.
0: Yeah, Mark Shepherd's also I, in Battlestar Galactica, uh, which is your connection to Battlestar Galactica, which is very interesting.
2: I liked him uh in uh, at the time when I was working with him I was a fan because I'd just seen him in the name of the father a couple of years before. And, oh yeah. Uh, Little role in that film uh, with Daniel Day Lewis, um, yeah, good, 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 good guy that guy. And those eyes, man, you you can just tell in that episode that he's not a good, not a good father <laughs> from the get go. You can, just don't <laughs> I, trust the Mark Shepard eyes.
0: I know he's got, got a couple of bastard attitude going on there. What's really interesting is you know he was in Firefly as we all know, and and, and Voyager, and then. And then also Battlestar Galactica, where he plays the president, an excellent character. But when I when I was I went back and watched that episode, and I, I, that was the only thing that caught me off guard. I was like, whoa! And I I, I always because you, you know Alan Moore was is the front runner for Battlestar Galactica, and also worked on Voyager as well, as Deep Space Nine. So it, it's is a really awesome connection between between you guys. But I love that episode very much because you know you wanted to go home, you wanted to. Go back with your family. They basically wanted to sacrifice you, which is very dark.
2: Yeah, it was a so really dark episode. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah they were going to kill of the, you. One so. of them all was. It was they a really, really heavy, heavy uh, subject matter for Star Trek, for sure. Sacrificing their children to protect right. their planet. Pretty intense stuff.
0: It was, you know, and especially since I thought you were a kid. I mean, now you're telling me you're 21 years old. It puts things into a completely different perspective for me, by the way. But, I yeah, I, I definitely thought your character was around 16 years old during during the show. So your character was 21 years old, which means when, when you oh. saw the feature you, you know, when they did that timeline thing and they went back and forth throughout time and uh, yeah. the captain was seeing all the timelines and you see the, the grown you. So how yeah. old were you in that episode, then? So you're like in your thirties, probably. I don't probably, know, huh? thirty
2: something. Yeah, 36,
0: thirty six, yeah. thirty,
2: thirty four. I, you know, I, I thought that episode was was funny because for me, Ichep was very edgy. You know, he was uh-huh. really had a chip on his shoulder in a big, big he way, did. and uh, yeah, it is that same sort of seven of nine attitude with you know having the past that he had. You couldn't be a a really jovial person that being half Right. Um, but the, you know, when they meet him in the future, he seemed really kind of soft and sweet, and I was like, what's going yes.
0: on here? <laughs> should be a little than that. <laughs> you taking future Prozac or something?
2: But I suppose. Yeah, I thought he was stuck, uh, stuck in one room with Naomi Wildman for all that time. I guess they they had a good time as they grew up together, so they must have. Uh, I, I...
0: Yeah, I was I was considering the fact that most likely they were married, and that he was kind of calm and relaxed during that that episode of his life right there.
2: Yeah, she chilled him out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in the very last episode when we see Tuvok, you know, the last episode's kind of pivotal because, or the last two episodes are very pivotal because Tuvok has an illness. You know, it gives us a timeline that we need to get back within a certain amount of a certain amount of time. So it's, it's very very interesting. But then your character uh, beats him at a logic game that makes him question his health condition. So, uh, again, your character is pivotal at changing the plot line, which I, I don't think a lot of people see a lot of times because a lot of people don't, see, don't know writing very well. But uh, when you see the writing, they obviously wanted to use you as almost exposition for certain, for certain moments for big characters and storylines. So your story was, your character was incredibly important in the last season as well as the last episode of the previous season.
2: Yeah, I think they, you know, it's also just a, a, uh, I'm not certain of this but I always thought that Child's Play sort of was I was a young actor at the time and they didn't know about the, the strength of the character or the strength of how well I could perform and I thought that Child's Play was sort of the test of uh, you know, is can we really? trust him to, to play this big of a part and carry the you know the show a little bit and I and thought like I passed I it. that, and then by so every other episode, every other other episode, those last two seasons, they kept bringing each other back into the storyline, and then I thought yeah. that the final episode that was just sort of like in my mind was the, the the corporate side of Star Trek, the showrunners and the the writers' way of just saying thank you, um, and here's your here's here's your your final. Uh, scene you know um, and we bring right. you back home with the rest of the crew and we'll see what happens from here so um, awesome. it was a fun scene I remember you know it was just nice to be there on the final episode and to see all those guys that and, and women that have worked for seven years on that show saying goodbye to each other and, and doing their final you know saying goodbye to the sex that was- and uh, each other and that, that time in their lives it was pretty powerful
0: that's awesome that's a, that's a brilliant experience being, being, you know, really relatively a young man, but you must have seen Starship before that. I mean, obviously you're you're a little bit old there. Yeah. How, how did that? How did that feel? Did it feel almost surreal to be surrounded by, you know, relatively like twenty five years worth of worth of a a lore?
2: That is exactly the word that I would use. Surreal, almost dreamlike, because you mm-hmm. have been playing this this fantasy for two years. You've been. Getting paid to go to work on a, a spaceship and been living in that moment and those realities as an actor for that long, and then you're you're filming a scene on one set and the, the set next to you is getting torn down and that the reality is going away and it's really I remember standing on the lot the you know the final day that I was going to leave Paramount, going okay, this is over. And just kind of standing there, staring at the couple of studios from the outside down this long, long alley. If you've ever been on the Paramount lot, you know it's just huge studio alleys. You know? um, looking at the, the trailers that were going to go, and and wondering what the next incarnation of Star Trek was going to be, and just kind of taking that moment to to um, move on to whatever was next. And um, it was powerful, surreal, dreamlike, like a weird, like a like a great dream ending or or when you finish watching a great movie and and you have to get up out of the theater and go back to reality it was it was brilliant
0: now considering that, that you were you know a young man uh did you feel the did you feel the impact when the show ended uh of what you were part of and where your future was going to go did you have an idea? Here's a, here's a different question. Let me just rephrase that. Did you did you have an idea when the show ended in the direction you wanted to go in towards your future after your experience after Voyager? Um I I didn't know what was next,
2: you know. It was c- kind of a crazy couple years because I was right in the mix there with um a, cu- a bunch of big projects that I just missed by you know, um, that, that much, you know, I was, I was auditioning for Spider-Man and Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and all those bigger films. And I was in that young Hollywood crowd mix. And, you know, a lot of my friends now are huge, huge stars, you know? Um, And I, I, you know, I didn't know where things were going to go and I got really frustrated those few years because I got so close to so many big projects that I ran off and played punk rock from the time I was 25 to 28 because I got so frustrated. And uh, I went to San Francisco. Um, But also what was neat about it was just uh, the... the, I had no idea really that I... I mean, I knew I was a part of Star Trek, but I didn't quite know the repercussions of how the work was going to affect um, the world. And... I started going on a few of the conventions around the, the world in Europe and around the States and getting to see how those episodes affected people and getting to listen to all these different cultures and, and different folks and talk. You know, when you go to a, a, one, a convention, you get to talk in front of thousands of people sometimes, and they, it's a really shared. What you don't see as an artist is the effect of your work on television because it's not like theater where you. Perform live, and you get to talk to people after the show. So, you know, your life is in your wake. You know, Um, but what was neat is going going to these shows and and getting to see the effect that the work had. um, To get to know that, you know, it meant something to, you know, worldwide to a lot of people, and it was, um, you know, there was a lot of really cool moments. There was a the the episode imperfection where I give seven my cortical note yeah. When I read the episode, I called my mother and I was crying. I was like t- 21, uh, maybe 22. I called my mother and I said, "I think I'm going to do something." Finally, I'd been in Hollywood maybe four years by that point. You know, finally that I think is going to really affect people, um, right. and was so proud to get to do it and put so much energy into that. And then on stage in Germany, and uh, actually i have got it a number of times. People that were having and I didn't know this, but this was sort of the point of the show was that it affected a lot of people that had gone through, um, you know, the kidney transplants or or taking a kidney from their friend or or family member. Um, And this guy got up and his brother in Germany that had gone through a kidney transplant, the brother had, and just thanked me for the show and said it, it inspired him and helped him stay strong through the transplant. And, that floored me. I just started bawling right on stage, you know, and he was saying thank you to me. And I was, and, and I had, was saying thank you to him. And it was the sort of the full circle connection of when you get a a chance to do good work. You know, movies don't change the world. The TV shows don't change the world, but in a way they, they can be a really powerful message if, they, if they're done right. And oh, absolutely. that the whole full circle of like, Hey, so this, this little, little bit of acting helped me get through my life. It was like I I was like bawling and snotting on stage in front of five thousand people, and it was a really beautiful, just kind of like connection awesome. between audience and, and actor and and uh, human beings. Was,
0: and that's the whole Star Trek thing, right? So, and yeah, very few cool. people get to have those experiences where they get to see the impact of their performances on other people. That's that's a beautiful experience to have with somebody, to, to share that.
2: It was awesome and always has been. And that's the, sort of the coolest thing about Star Trek is you just keep seeing um, and the, the fan base is so loyal and the, and the thing has been going for so long, 50 years now or something, yeah. that um, it's it's always beautiful. You know, I just did a, a small show in Germany last year with like 400 people and it was just a really cool time. Of uh,
0: this, this, yeah, I was,
2: uh, and it's all about human connection and all these people loving the show and and the metaphors that the, and the the things that the show gets to speak about and the movies get to speak about and the positive image of humanity and all that stuff that that mm-hmm. is sort of cliche to say say about Star Trek, but is so true.
0: But, yeah. <laughs> You know, I don't want to. I don't want to talk too long about this this particular subject I'm about to talk about right here. But I just want to get you a little insight on this because uh, Jerry Ryan recently just came out with an article talking about her experiences on Voyager, which was I, it actually caught me off guard. I'll be honest with you because when I was a kid, when I was younger, <laughs> I would always see you know the, the little you know inquisitor comments about Voyager and how there's a couple little problems here and there, and sometimes it would be very specific in things. But you didn't know, there was not internet, there was was not the same kind of media you have today. So you kind of took it as, you know, melodrama behind the stages, or this or this or that. But uh, it was very interesting, because Jerry Ryan actually confirmed exactly what I thought of as a kid when I read those articles about some of the issues that were going on around the third to the last season, and ongoing season after that, with... You know, she didn't name any names, but I I know who she's talking about because there's only four characters she pretty much interacted with, which was Kate McGrew, you know, Jacoté, and, and the Doctor, and maybe one of the characters in yourself. So it is to yeah. sort of hear her... Did you read that article, by the way? I haven't. I, 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 somebody else had
2: mentioned it to me about something going on between her and Kate. And I'd heard yes. that, you know, through the grapevine. But I got to tell you that I don't know if that... I don't know what the article said cuz I haven't read it but right i there's a i don't you know of course there was a competition between her and Kate as the two lead stars of the of the show but i think yeah. both those women love each other and i think i think it's probably even if it was mentioned in the article i, I think right. it was probably taken out of context cuz okay for me i was on that show for 2 years and I'm a type of guy that's straight up honest about anything, and I didn't see right. anything but a family that were sort of a, a group of artists that really, really enjoyed each other's work. And- see, that's
0: that's what I thought. There's no way you got this production with oh, and th- those are tempers. Those are. Little communication issues, and this is a huge show. It's like a one point five million dollar production per episode. So I'd expect yeah,
2: so people might have you know there might have been a couple of spats here and there, but but the the real reality is that you know everybody respected each other fully, and um, it was a great show to shoot. I didn't ever see any sort of undercurrent of competition or or hatred or anything like that. So. I don't know what nice. the article said, but tell me. I mean, what, no. what was the story? Well, what she, what she <laughs> said
0: was that it was <laughs> – what she said was when she came onto to the season that it was very difficult because she was, she was dating one of the producers and what have you, and I guess she's married to him now, but that when she was coming on the set that, you know, Kate would constantly roll her eyes at her, uh, you know, Chakotay didn't have much patience for her, and a lot of people just kind of found her disruptive and a bit of a, of an insider – when in actuality, she was a bit of an outsider because she was coming in for the last couple seasons, so she felt tension along the way, and a certain amount of um, people not wanting to put up with her. And I, I get that, and I understand that. It did remind me of the article I read in, in the '90s, which basically was almost the, almost verbatim of what she she recently said. So that's why when you said out of context, I'm like, you know, this makes sense because it actually sounds very similar. To the older stories that I heard, which is basically, you know, the actress had a hard time uh, bringing her into the uh, into the stream of of different characters because one, she was sexy, sexy. She wore a very different uniform than everybody else, which I thought was pra- pragmatic and also awesome as well. Uh, I thought she was a great character, but I understood why Mike McGrew might have a little issue with because they they promised her because this is what the, what happened. The producers promised her they, they wouldn't sex up the show, they wouldn't exploit females, they wouldn't do certain things, and she considered oh. Seven of Nine to be an exploitive character sexually. I did not personally.
2: Um, <laughs> I mean, I, she was hot. It was a hot outfit. It was, a, but take it will, away the hot, take away the hot from Seven of Nine, and I'm, I'm not as interested, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think a strong, powerful, sexy woman on board what's especially playing a cool robot I, that's great. I like all of it i'll take every I'll take every bit of that um <laughs> um you know and i I can see you know I can see how probably all of that stuff is true um but at the same time, it's more true that those actors liked having her, and we all right. love Jerry and even if they were I right, 'cause I it's it's that way on on any sort of show if you've been on there as a as a lead for a few seasons and a new character's coming on board and they're going to start taking some of the attention and some of the some of the show away from what you've been used to um right there's got to be a little bit of internal tension but for the most part these were all professional actors that are good people uh, that are talented and are still getting paid the same that they were getting paid. And I think that her character, to me, was the most exciting thing those last few seasons and also brought the ratings up. And without her, the show may not have gone the full seven seasons. Um, I agree. so, So I think everybody was glad to have her, and she probably did experience all those feelings. But by the time I was on the show, at least six and seven, everybody... Got along and we just had fun making those episodes. I I don't remember any sort of ooh
0: somebody's grumpy today
2: stuff. You know? No, you you would have remembered.
0: <laughs> you would've, you would have remembered. Now I'm glad you took that point of view. I you know I like to keep the show extremely positive. And I, I the only thing I really want to hear from the Star Trek Universe is I want to hear positivity because this is such an incredible university. Part of it's like a dream, and to hear people. You know I, I understand how. You know even Kevin McCard. You know uh, when he went on. He, very much like the Brady Bunch, didn't like the first season. You can even tell when you first see the first season. He did not like necessarily. He did not understand necessarily like being on Star Trek necessarily, very much like the Brady Bunch father. But as you see the next Uncommon yeah. Seasons, he grows into that character and just starts to love it, right? And then yeah, when you he see the very, very last, the
2: old old uh old English you know, um, Shakespearean actor that thought he was doing crap.
1: <laughs> and right. The right
2: he was doing really good
1: stuff <laughs> he was
0: doing, he was doing brilliant stuff a lot of us a lot of us <laughs> mimicked his personality as captain Picard as our personal persons so the but anyways in the la, the very last episode uh, he plays uh, poker for the first time with his crew which which is actually to me a little bit of a metaphor of how he began the show and how he ended it so I, Star Trek is an incredible universe and I can't see anybody being part of it for that long and not enjoying each other and understanding the gravitas of, of And the no, show. yeah.
2: And I, I know all the actors still and everybody still gets along. So if there was really, you know, hatred and competition and all that crap between the actors, we wouldn't hang out together anymore. Right. You know, we Why would you? <laughs> Yeah, everybody gets along. I mean, I'm I, I'm doing a movie with Tim and Bob Picardo down the road. I'm doing another movie with Bob a couple months from now. So it's, oh, you no know, worries. we're we're all friends, and and oh, I'm right. seeing Jerry and Tim a few few months from now in Germany, and there's you know oh, everybody no. likes each other. There's no definitely no heavy to, left over
0: anything. Oh, awesome. you got the new movie coming out. You got Tim Russ in it, and we're going to talk about that in a second. I really want to get into that because you're you're yeah. reconnecting with with certain cast members from the Star Trek world. I, I love that. Let's talk a little bit more about the, the rest of your career going on here, because right after Star Trek Voyage, and before that, actually, you were in Sabrina the Teenage Witch, King of Queens. I did not know that at all. But then you went into Las Vegas as well, and J. Edgar as well. I, I, I watched J. Edgar the other day. I I I, I loved the film. Uh, I didn't know you were in it, personally. And then One Tree Hill, you were in One Tree Hill. You played Billy. Yeah.
2: I was yeah the the, the the one of the main villains on season nine the final season. Um, I, it's funny because I, I did this movie called Whatever It Takes with Shane's James I mean uh, Shane West and James Franco and Aaron Paul and Colin Hanks this teen movie really um, back in two thousand. And the writer of that ended up going on to create and produce One Tree Hill, and for nine um. years I, I bugged him, you know. What do you got for me? What do you got for me? What do you got going on? With you <laughs> Finally, season nine. He goes, "All right, come play the villain, you prick. Get on, get on a plane." So it, it pays to harass your
0: friends. <laughs> yeah, if you if you, don't, if you don't ask, you don't get. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but
2: yeah, well, that awesome. was fun. And that that character that I played was so despicably vicious. He was there was no redeeming value in him whatsoever. Um, just a bad person, and that was sort of fun. And, you know, because it's episodic television, too, he gets what he what was coming to him. And um, I, I have a, you know, I, I have a dilemma sometimes about, you know, doing whatever role in a, if it, it, in a movie that doesn't have much of a point to it. But, you know, vicious violence or um, so it was I always I like when the bad guy gets what he's supposed to get. Um, yes. But then, at the same time, I really love films where there is no hero, and you human beings are kind of shown for what they are, good and bad. Uh, I always think of that film "There Will Be Blood." You know, it's outside the sci-fi realm, but that's a fantastic movie just about people. There's no hero, you know. Um, Yeah, it's just you know about how gnarly it would be to, to be alive in that moment, that time. Um, the story between the, the pessimist and the Christian, and I don't know, it's just fantastic
0: stuff. Oh, Pete, Pete Anderson is a great director. You're looking at that film There Will Be Blood, based on the book Oil, Oil, Oil. That's a really fantastic movie and, and a character study in itself. The son really is the only person, and plus he's, he's not blood related, is the only person who's kind of innocent within this world. And even he yeah. gets shoved away at the end. You know that goes into my next my next question, which is, you know, you play good guys and bad guys, Pollyannish guys. I mean, if you want to look at at your character on Searching Voyager, you're almost Pollyannish to a certain extent in some areas. But do you like playing a good guy or do you like playing a bad guy? Which, which area do you prefer right now? I
2: I, I prefer wh- whichever character is better written. <laughs> mm. I, I I don't have a preference. <laughs> Give me a part. Uh, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I don't. You know, the, if the hero is well written, I'd rather play him. If the villain is a well written character, I'd rather play the villain. I, um, right. the, you know, it's it's some. You know, a lot of times the hero is less interesting than the villain because it's really easy to be entertaining as the bad guy. Um, right. But right now, you know, now I just. For the most part the 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 dream is to just do great work and do well written um well produced stuff and sometimes you know it's gotten really hard uh in the entertainment business especially the, the film business right now to do you know you don't have a lot of choice as a, a an actor like me that gets offered things and um it's tough to turn things down these days because there's not a lot of pay left in anything but lead and leads in television and leads and studio films or those are the actors that are making real money. Um, and in the indie film world where I'm working a lot, um, you, you sort of have to take what you can get and hope that it's going to turn out for the best. But, but luckily lately in the last couple of years, um, I've gotten to do some really good work and I'm excited about getting to see it.
0: Oh, we're excited to see you work as well. I mean, I want to talk about this next uh, film that's in in production right now, or in post production, which is Star Trek Renegades, where you come back and play Egypt. Uh, tell me yeah. a little bit about that character. It takes place ten years after. Yeah,
2: t- ten or twelve, something like that. Um, it, originally, the well, it's a it's a really neat take on the Star Trek universe that. I mean, it softened up. The first script was a really, really dark look at the Star Trek universe. And the whole concept is kind of a dark look because you've got corruption high, high in into the Federation to the point where, you know, almost like into darkness, you've got real problems at the at the top of the Federation and they don't know who's, who's involved, you know, who's black ops and right. who isn't. And so a lot of these characters that you've gotten to know um, and these new characters that are introduced have left the Federation in order to fight against it and fight against the internal mechanisms that are malfunctioning. And that's the whole idea of, you know, this Star Trek renegades are these characters that used to be Starfleet who now aren't, but yet Starfleet has still got their thumb on, the, on them a little bit. Um, and it's also like really dark aliens is these guys called the Siphon that are a cannibalistic race
0: of aliens
2: that have got their hands on a, a matter folder that can fold space and time so they land on your planet Jeez. they eat you and then they leave and destroy your planet um, so you know it's definitely a darker Jeez. look and it might you know some people might you know the the it's still got it's still internally to me, star Trek, it's still got the positive message. Yeah, it, it's that's awesome. It's yeah, but it's definitely got it. It's a, you know, a, I, I'm just hoping because I didn't produce it and it was a, a fan funded project and right. I'm sitting around wondering, you know, I, I hear it's going to be ready in a couple of months. Um, right. I'm really hoping that, uh, I think they have like 800 or something CG shots. I'm hoping they took their time with them and, and made them look really good. And I, I remember filming, the, filming it and I, I just thought, wow, this is a really CG driven piece. I really hope they have the talent to pull, to make this look good. Um, and if they do, I think it's going to be an incredible, incredible film. And if they don't, and I, I'm just crossing my fingers that we, we get to see a good movie. And at the same yeah, time, some yeah, yeah, yeah. good things have happened because the the way that the, the idea for the pitch um, by the producers of that film, they wanted it to be the official either new show, you know, Dreaming Big, or the possible, like, web series for uh, the new CBS division. You know, they they just yeah. announced that they're launching a, a web series, you know, official CBS um, web awesome. channel. And so, that would be great if we could get, you know, a Starfleet, a Star Trek, I new mean, Star Trek official web series. And,
0: um, well, I, don't, I'd be excited. I don't know if you know, but Robert Ory was just, uh, just basically, he removed himself from Star Trek Three. So now they're they're looking at uh, a new director for the third movie, and they're also probably going to levy the um, restrictions on television shows that could be released because that was a restriction between J.J. G. G. Abrams and. and and the studio, whether they can't release yeah. a TV show between the filming of those movies. But you have huge stars in, in, for the Star Trek universe in this film. You have you know, Walter Cohen who played, you know, Chekhov, you've got you know Tim Russ who plays Tuvok. I mean these are these are the these are staples. You have Adrian uh, Wilkinson who plays Captain Alexa uh, Singh. This is a you have Sean yeah. Young in this movie. Which is a, yeah, Sean Young.
2: Was, that was really cool for me. Cause it's funny because she came on, and I'm like, I know that lady. and Where do I know her from? <laughs> she looks so familiar to me. I didn't get it for like two days. I'm like, I know this woman from somewhere. I'm like, oh my God. Dune. With the girl. Um, Dune is know, the movie I go on to for her all the time. Say again?
0: Dune? Remember the movie Dune?
2: Oh, Dune. Yeah, yeah. And she yeah, was, she was She was Eddie Furlong was fun to work with, uh, Corin Nemix in it too. It was a, a, a cool cast and,
0: um... Oh my God, I didn't even see Edward Furlong was in this.
2: Yeah. Oh my God, he plays this. What was it like? working? How is
0: Edward Furlong these
2: days? He's, was crazy. He played this, the character he played was this crazy little guy named Fixer who's, like, all just neurotic and, you know, has all these tools and is, like, sort of a, can fix anything on board and can fix anything you can give him and, um... It was a fun little character that he played, um, kind of just a ball of energy the whole time, just a um, crazy kid. I, I, I really enjoyed working with him. He's got a powerful passion in his in his persona that I didn't know existed because in the movies that I see, saw him in, he seemed to be sort of a chill, more chilled, laid-back kind of guy,
0: and really he's just full energy. So. Yeah. That's awesome. You also have Rob Picardo playing in as well, playing Doctor Lewis Zimmerman. So he's going to play his father. Yeah, his creator. Yeah, too, so he's
2: not actually the hologram. Nice. So, so um, and Echid sort of thing, and then the Echid thing is very different too because oh. I, I understood why JJ didn't want to use Star Trek actors in for the most part, you know, um, from the shows in the new films because he wanted to create his own world, his own version of the world. And I remember when they were casting those films, I was like, well, that's not cool. I want, you know, I want an audition for those movies. But when they had me play each of again, they changed him completely. You know, he was no longer, he had been sent to Section 31 to, to a program to help people that had been assimilated by the board deal with what was coming back out of it. And since right. he'd had experience with that, he went and signed up for it. But it turned out to be a program that actually they knocked him out and they filled him with all these new Borg weapons and Borg technologies and, you know, put, put these nanoprobes into his bloodstream where he's become basically a weapon and it's destroyed a lot of his intelligence and made him angry and changed his personality. And so I sort of wasn't the same guy anymore. And as an actor, it was hard. I, I wanted to fight against that. You know, I'm like each of them say this, each of them say that. Um, right. But then I'm like, okay, this is a different take. I had to like let that go and and try to find the character that I was playing all over again. So it was definitely an interesting journey and uh, um, a good time. And I'm hoping that the the film brings good good things. Well, you are you are Just a characters the, to start the your world. Yeah, he's had a tough run, the poor guy.
0: <laughs> I know your par- your parents soup you up for a full of drugs and try to destroy you, try try to destroy the Borg that way, and then uh, Starfleet pump you full of drugs and, and try to kill. Yeah,
2: it screws My me God. over too. Tough time, I know. Yeah, so he's <laughs> definitely time. fighting a lot of demons in this movie, but it's um it should be pretty cool. I hope I hope it is.
0: I hope it is. I'm gonna watch it. That that, that sounds fantastic. I've been listening, to, you know, I didn't really know that before I was taking, speaking to a couple people that a lot of these Star Trek movies are starting to be made through fan films or what have you, but they're not fan films at all. These are these are productions, because uh, oh, I've no, seen man, the quality.
2: They, they, they had close to half a million dollars on that on that uh, movie, so yeah. the, they definitely had had the opportunity to make it correctly. Um, there was, yeah, that, and and a, kind of, a lot of people that were involved besides the actors, you know, really top talent, um, you know, yeah. around the the whole production. So. That's I nice. guess they call yeah, it you- films. That's where they get the money. But it, yeah, it was definitely not yes. just a bunch of fans with cameras making this movie. It was the fans that
0: that gave the money to get it produced. Yes, I can see how the the, the, the how the uh, the studios would want to produce these or be a part of these or actually let them happen, but not be involved. So it's not heavy handed to allow the creation to happen and then create the movies. But I can see if, if something was, was being made that they didn't like, that they would attack right away. Now, so far, I've seen a lot of these great fan films that are not... You know, when people... Audience, when you guys hear the word fan film, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about a different thing than a YouTube video you find on, like, The Walking Dead. These are full, full-blown productions. These are pretty awesome. So how was it like to be back on relatively uh, the same kind of almost set being the same character, but like many years later in Renegades, was it was it strange to revisit this character? Because I can be honest with you, when I saw that metal piece on your nose, that was that's your Egypt look. I'm like, wait a minute, is he playing Egypt again? was <laughs> like yeah. back
2: uh, here? It was really strange. I mean, because of the the immense changes to who he was, it was really neat to come back and take a look at him. And, and he was more of a a weapon and more of just an angry sort of one dimensional. He's sort of like the, what is it? The, the, the T he's the weapon of the crew. He's the, he's the strong arm yeah. muscle. Um, yeah. You're so, the you world. know, he can, he can do all these things. Now he can morph, you know, uh, the board mm-hmm. now are like, really? sort of like liquid steel terminators. They can morph and the different weapons and different, uh, they can look very, very human if they want to. Um, Wow. So that's a new take on the Borg too. Um and I don't know, it was it was definitely uh weird to you know, twelve, thirteen years later, however long it had been, um, to to bring him back to life. Uh but they definitely had a cool look to him. There's this like when he yeah. when he turns into his weapon, this whole helmet sort of eyepiece grows out of his face so, so he can laser lock on onto the his arm arm changes into different different weapons and um it definitely made him sort of a badass updated version of of the character before that's awesome and it was just fun to go back for a few weeks and make more star trek so i, I you know <laughs> it was a good time.
0: And, and, you you know, know, that's,
2: it, just, it is neat but, that Paramount lets all this stuff happen too, because it's, you know, as long as nobody's making money off these things and they're just making product for for the, the fan base to to get to see different takes and different people's ideas of the the universe, um, uh, it's pretty neat that these things are happening.
0: I think, I think it's really cool. I think they saw what happened with the Star Wars universe and how people were making fan films, which kept it alive, kept it going all these years, which kept the franchise, you know, now they're doing new films and what have you. I, I think they're trying to do the same exact thing, whereas, you know, keep, don't keep a heavy hand there and let things happen. If anything happens wrong, attack it. But so far, everything looks fantastic. Uh, my question yeah, I mean, is, and this is a very geeky question, is if Seven and Nine were to see your character in this film... How would she feel about that? Oh, she'd be sad. Yeah, you
2: know, yeah. um, definitely. You uh, went, he's you down he's, he's in a lot, a lot of ways. He's, he's very much of who he used to be. So, um, wow. I think what would be neat is is his journey back. You know, if they got to make more episodes, it would be to right. watch him try to get his humanity back. I think would instead of, that would be the story. You know. Um, Coming back
0: from uh, I d- all that hurt, I d- yeah, and that's that's that, that's some serious PTSD for a Star Trek character. But I, I, I do yeah. make a, 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 a different uh, parallel argument here, which is, you know, since we did see a future you, there is a, a parallel timeline for your character. Yeah. So this could be potentially a different timeline chip. and the other chip could actually have just been Earth and had a happy life and got married to Naomi Wildman and they had little horn children or whatever
2: and he's teaching yeah he's teaching at the academy somewhere going on exactly. commissions every day uh, Th-
0: that's what I, I mean imagine I, I imagine your character being the admiral by the time he was like 30
2: yeah i and you know there's 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 parallel uh, realities in the in the books and and um i'm sure there's you know there's all, that's what's fun about the the new story too the new films with the alternate timeline is uh yeah. i was watching this this thing just yesterday i uh on uh, science channel with the multi- the multiverse and the different possibilities of how time ex- exists mm-hmm. and, you i know, i think right each' doing a lot of things in a lot of different places here
0: <laughs> in a lot of different
2: worlds. Yeah.
0: well there's a, you know you got a lot of you got a lot of things in post production a lot of things filming right now and let's just talk about a couple you got six gun savior <laughs> promises Instant, The Green Ferry, unbelie- un- Unbelievable, uh, Table Manners, and then The Fifth Passenger, which is which is what we're getting to here. Because uh, this yeah. is one of the things that uh, connected us together. You know, we got Scott Baker and you got Morgan Lariah there. So you you, you got this film, Fifth Passenger, you were picked up for this film. Please tell me how you are introduced into the project and uh, how did you get involved in this?
2: I was shooting a trailer for a film that I'm still raising money for called Dark River. And Baker, the writer of The Fifth Passenger, was working uh, as a steady cam operator on it. And I just got to talking with him maybe two, almost three years ago now. And he said that he was into sci-fi uh, and that he had a couple of screenplays, and I was starting to produce at the time. So I said, well, ship them over to me. when they read them. And uh, he sent me the script, The Fifth Passenger, and I thought it was so clever Um I decided, hey, let's try to, to to get this thing made, and I, I wanted to bring it to a, a couple A-list actors I knew, and mm-hmm. and uh, have this character that Morgan Loraya had written um, get played by somebody you know huge, and and go to the studios to get some money for it. But Morgan was like, I wrote this character, I want to play this character, and so right. uh, a couple of years down the line, after we we'd shot the the trailer for it. I said, well, okay, then let's get, um, you know, a lot of other projects were going on at the same time. This has been a project about three years in the mix. And I finally decided, okay, let's surround this character. Let's rewrite the film and let's surround her with, um, it's, it's not like an intense rewrite, but I I wanted it to be an ensemble piece as well as, um, her characters still the lead but I, I went, let's put a bunch of actors in it that are names and let's get some talented friends of mine involved and see if we can get some funding for it done through Kickstarter. And right. so we put Robert Ricardo Robert Picardo and Doug Jones and Tim Russ and Marina Sirtis and they all read the script and thought the same thing I did. It's just really a smart, fun space thriller. Um, just really, it's it's a really, really smart script. So, we we wow. knew we needed about uh, a uh, a bunch of money to make this film, at least a quarter of a million. And but then we got a break, and we got these. We found this stage in Pico Rivera with this spaceship set on it that hasn't been used for a long time, and that we could rent very cheaply before it gets possibly destroyed, and we could redress it and, and make it our own ship. You know, um, so we figured out a way to save a bunch of money and. Um, are going forward um, and actually have just figured out a way to, to up n- not only the, the fans were great because we only had three weeks to do the Kickstarter, but they came out strongly to support the project. And then we found other investors to put more money into it. So it, it's going to be a really top notch quality film. I'm really excited to shoot it. I play this character named Thompson, who's sort of a cross between like, he reminds me of um, Hudson from aliens, almost uh uh, oh, nice! Bill Paxton's character, um, and just a really interesting <laughs> film that man. sort of <laughs> came over
1: the socks, man. Um, Put her in charge. <laughs>
2: yeah, so he's he's that you know lovable prick uh, kind of character. It's, nice. it's just a fun world, um, and a, a good story. And I, I'm excited to you know I, I'd love to say more about it, but it's there's a sort of a lot you of secrets the-
0: about about what's going on I in know. that script. You um, got a lot of characters in there. You have Marina Sirtis, you know, Diana Troy. You have Doug Jones, and anybody who likes Guillermo del Toro should know who Doug Jones is. I mean, if you know who um if you he's know, know who Silver plays, Surfer,
2: man.
0: He plays the Silver Surfer, he plays he plays in Pan's Labyrinth, he's in Hellboy. Um and it was really interesting about him and I and I'm a gigantic fan of his Mostly because you know I, I love Guillermo de Toro, but when you look at Pan's Labyrinth, he had to learn Spanish for that part, and a lot of people don't realize that uh, he had to learn the Spanish for that movie, and it was just beautiful. And in the first yeah. uh, Hellboy, that was not his voice; that was uh, what's his name from the from uh, no, not Kelsey Grammer, but uh, what's his name? That was his voice. And the second one, Guillermo de Toro fought for his voice to be in the film, which was which was fantastic. How was it like working with him? Did did does he play? A, well, maybe let's not get into that because I don't want to give any spoils away. But did he uh, play a, a character kind of that um, uses his skills the way we know him?
2: No, we act you know, we get to see him outside of makeup. Um, nice he just around, so uh, he plays a great character that uh, is in the first few scenes of the film. Um, and I haven't worked with him yet, so we start shooting January thirteenth. Um, nice. So, I've never actually met the man. He's one of the the cast that we got outside of uh, one of the other producers got him involved. So I'm excited to work with him. I hear hear nothing but good things about his personality and, of course, his
0: talent. So um, it's going to be fun. A lot of people talk about Andy Serkis these days because he's he's blown up everywhere, and he's just an amazing mocap actor and an actor as well. I mean, since he's been age on – excuse me uh, – Avengers Age of Ultron would be playing a, a live character most likely kills a Black Panther. Spoilers, everybody. But Doug Jones is also no, another one of those characters. He plays behind-the-scenes, pivotal characters that a lot of you might not recognize down the street, which is kind of awesome and a little sad at the same time because he's such a great character. But then you have Robert Ricardo in there as well, who also played the, the hologram in, 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 in Voyager. And you've got Tim Russ, who played Tuvok. I, I love him, by the way, because he played three different characters in the Star Trek universe. He was in a movie, he was in a different show as a, as a bit player, and then he played as a main character in Tuvok. So this guy just jumped around.
2: Yeah. The, this, the movie's great. I mean, it's the basic pre- premise is, you know, you've got the Yellowstone Caldera is blown up on Earth. I think Scott probably told, told you your listeners about the film before, but I'll just rehash it real sure. quick and there's there's two domes that have been built on earth to, and by the the um, asian culture and and the uh, african culture and so the everyone else outside these domes that is barely surviving outside these domes in little shanty cities um has become a second class citizen so the the first class citizens are the asians and the africans and they're all in these massive ships and they're having a mass transit to basically Earth, too, uh, you know, a, a new planet a long, long, long way away where we can get off of Earth because Earth has been, for the most part, destroyed besides these couple of dome cities. And right. aboard these mass transit ships, everybody else that isn't a part of the dome culture, um, all the other races are considered second class, and we're basically you know, grown in jars and we're just workers aboard these mass, massive ships um, to wow. get, you know, and so one of these massive ships in the very beginning of the film, something happens to where uh, that people have to evac and all these pods barely escape and one of the pods escapes has its antenna sheared off and the people that end up on that pod are a bunch of roaches, which is basically what everyone else is referred to, and a few of these upper class citizens. And then it's about how this pod is going to figure out which way it's pointing, how much fuel, how much oxygen is left, and how it's going to get back to a place where it can be rescued and how these people are going to either fight or get along to get there um hmm. and then an alien is introduced and a whole lot of other subplots are introduced it's just a really smart movie um wow. it's sort of told in the way that that memento is told if you've seen that christopher nolan film in, in oh, reverse of course I have. so you're looking at it, and it's so told through dreams and there's this it's just a really smart screenplay so oh, we can almost oh, like Russia as it, well. I don't know yeah. yeah. if so
0: I was rushing the back in.
2: Sorry, um, just just excited to get to work on it, man. I'm so glad the fan base got gave us that belief and and uh, gave us that initial funding money to get this thing made.
0: Oh, I you know I can't imagine people not contributing money to these projects, considering the fact you know just like I said earlier in the show, you know, Clary Moretz was talking about Kickass Three, and there were you know a lot of people were asking her when are you going to make this film. She goes, Oh, never. And they say, why not? Because <laughs> well, you pirated, the second, you pirated the second film so much without seeing it that it didn't make any money, and we can't go see it. So it's not going to be made. So if you want to go see a movie, uh, go see it, and then do whatever you want afterwards. Uh, but the, that, that's a very interesting concept when it comes to a, a lot of these films where you know, we're hitting new categories now, where Netflix is starting to introduce movies on Netflix as well as the theaters at the exact same time, which will start with Crouching and Tiger, Hidden Dragon 2. Do you yeah. see yourself, you know, in the, in the future? Because things are changing rapidly, and I, mm-hmm. I see your career just bumping fast. What do you see yourself in five to ten years, as far as in, in the entertainment industry? Are you going to go towards directing, acting, writing, producing, or or is this a subject that you want to stay close to?
2: Well, I, I want to be, you know, without trying to stroke my ego, but or sound like a a self-centered person. I want to be a movie star. I want to play Batman. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I want. To yeah. Play why Batman. not? He said Jared Leto's playing the Joker. I said that's a fantastic right. choice. The only other better choice I can think of is myself. Um, <laughs> <you know>? <laughs> why <laughs> I, should you uh, have you know? that attitude? Yeah, and so you, you know, I, I'm. I'm. Uh, all these you know A-list and B-list stars, for the most part, have their own production companies and produce their own movies. Right. Um, and it's, it's sort of kind of the unwritten code that a lot of uh, just people that are you know, just watch movies don't really know that. Um, and they pick their own productions. They, they create their own productions outside of uh, you know, vehicles for them to star in and vehicles that they just produce, um, you know, crews with skydance pictures and, um, if you look up any of these A-list stars, they have their own production entities making a bunch of movies. Um, And so I started this like six years ago just because I realized, you know, if if I want to compete with those guys, I need to not only create my own material, but um, you sort of have a better hand on the type of roles you're going to get to play if you're involved in raising the money to to get them done um, and and picking the screenplays. and uh, Then you don't have to rely on the luck of getting cast. Um, so, you know, five years from now, I would love to be making big budget, you know, 20 to $80 million films and, um, telling the stories I want to tell. I've got my hands on a few screenplays now that I'm really excited about. And Fifth wow. Passenger is the first chance that I'll have, um, besides Benjamin Troubles, which was a, a film we did over the last three years, um, for 180,000. Um, It's the first chance that we should have a a legitimate budget and a good chance to make, uh, you know, a a theater quality release. Um, So we're all going to go forward and and hope
0: that it's the first of many chances and not just the first, you know. Well, you asked asked the question that I was leading towards, which is if you can play any character in, in, in 10 to 15 years, which, you know, Ben Affleck will be done playing Batman by then. Uh, In my, the funny thing is that you said that. uh, Somebody said, "What do you you, you want for your ten years future?" And I'll be like, "I'm going to direct the next uh, Batman films." So that's what I'm, that's what I'm aiming towards. And somebody looked at me and started smiling. So when you said that, I started laughing inside my brain. I'm like, "Oh!" So we'll see each other on set then. It'll be awesome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Who doesn't want to see that?
0: Right. Who doesn't want to be Batman? You know, even even uh, Chris, uh, Christian Bale said uh, very recently. He said he was very disappointed that they didn't ask him to be part of the Justice League because originally he was saying I don't want to play Batman anymore. But when he when the part was when they when they played out the part and they said what was going to happen, he said you know maybe I can put that cowl on one more time. And then it was yeah. the part was given to Ben Affleck, and then he was disappointed. Which, which I'm sure if 99.9% of my audience is listening right now, which they are. Uh they're freaking out at that comment because everybody wants uh him to be the joker but I-, I guarantee that Ben Affleck is gonna play a very good Batman as well as uh as well as it's gonna be a very good justice League movie of course, i'm looking more more forward to the suicide squad personally than I am towards justice league it's a, both those it's films way more
2: sound exciting both those films sound really exciting mm-hmm. i that's only I, I'm I'm sort of like a you know I'm a comic book fan I love graphic novels and I, I, I read them pretty thoroughly, um, but at the same time I'm also I think the the I don't know big budget film world is sort of oversaturated with comic book movies, but right. so so two thirds of the ones that come out I don't really like much but then as far as the Batman franchise goes and Suicide Squad, those are a couple of films I am excited about because I lean towards the, the darker, more realistic, fun, uh, more, you know, just... I don't like the... the it, and it's not a, to me, it's not a Marvel-DC discrepancy. It's just I lean away from the campy superhero stuff towards mm. the more realistic stuff. And I think you can have a little bit of both. Like, to me, The Avengers is the perfect mix of... Real life, and then the Marvel sort of—they—they're always saying Marvel DC because DC is, its only because Nolan made such good realistic stuff, and then um, on the other side of things, Marvel's a little more campy isn't even the word, but a little more—I don't know—over uh, the top. Right, and all those right. bad—I don't mean it by bad, you know. There's, to, to me, there's a perfect mix between both, you know what. Iron Man is also just a mix of, of what real life superheroes should be. And, um, there's sort of, there's no real rule. You can make a real campy superhero movie that works. But for me, I'm sure. a fan of about one, one out of three of them. But yeah, I'm excited about Batman and Suicide Squad too. Yeah. And Justice League. And Ben Affleck will be great. That guy's so talented, man. Um, who knew that he, good, even, that he was going to be the talent that he was, that he is uh, uh, as a director
0: and no. uh, an actor. He's definitely really... No, if you, um, if he you watch Pearl Harbor, him. I mean, he's he's horrible in Pearl Harbor. I mean, he's horrible. I mean, he directs a couple films and just blows it up and then comes back as a different actor. And I'm I'm very proud of him. It's that's, that's fantastic work.
2: Me too. I love guys that when they get that opportunity really take it and you know you have to it it, just imagine as a 24 25 year old kid getting the opportunity to to star in films and i i don't care how good of an actor you are you, you don't have if you get that chance you don't have um the camera technique down yet you don't you don't really know what acting is if you're just thrown into the mix and he's one of those guys that understood he had a chance to become really, really good and didn't just let his head blow up with ego. And uh, just like Matthew McConaughey, like the same Mm -hmm. thing, you go back 15 years and you don't really know how talented that guy's going to be. And now he's just one of our great actors because he, he took the time to get better with every movie. Um, yeah, so it's, it's been neat to see Affleck grow from a, a lucky kid from Boston to, uh,
0: a really talented man, right, right. Now, when you when you see that background for a person like that, you know he grows up in Boston, comes up uh, comes up the ranks. Then you see your life and how you came up in the in the Star Trek world. Do you see parallels between you and, and other actors right now that are that are in Hollywood that are making feature films right now, and it leads to confidence in the way.
2: Yeah, I I hope so. Um, the last couple years, I have there's eight films or so right right now that are in post production, and I have a few coming up: uh, Tailgaters and Fifth Passenger, Promises. Um, and I'm hoping that that you know uh, almost everybody when you're out there in Hollywood, um, you know, hang out with a lot of actors, I hang out with a lot of directors, producers, you know, people in the industry. All of the actors have the same story as as me. We've got a bunch of projects out there in the works or in post-production that we hope are going to find an audience. And then a a few of us, the lucky few, have a couple of films that really do get well-received. And when they do, you have that that basic chance to jump into the studio budget world. Um, And then if you either you you know that's when you have to really make the right choice when you get those studio opportunities to to show the world what you're capable of and uh right. I really hope I get the, I get to do that otherwise you know I won't be disappointed as long as I can keep making movies for a living um and keep a roof over my head doing what I love to do and um just humble and thankful to be able to have done that so far
0: you know, as far as I'm concerned, you know you already won the lottery as a young man twenty one years old being in Serg Voyager such a huge show. I mean so many people must have tried out for that part and you just blew it away uh, I can't see how a personality like yours you know won't have the same success, the same mentality, especially since you're working harder at getting it. I'm pretty sure Sergrich Voyager wasn't uh you know the hardest thing you've ever worked to be on necessarily, but now knowing what you know. Uh, I can't imagine you can't be part of any project in the universe. Yeah,
2: I'm sort of... Re, yeah, the last few years here, I'm really sort of getting a, a real idea about what I'm doing and, as a producer as well because he, he, it's a real steep lear- learning curve, you know, um, right. realizing what it takes and the quality of uh, it takes to make a, a big-budget film. You have to get a lot of talented people together. It's like a bunch of painters making one canvas... You think how difficult right. that would be to get like thirty top painters and and tell them to paint one canvas. Um, mm-hmm. So you know the, the the making a feature film that that is good, just a scene in a feature film that is good is such an incredibly difficult process that I don't think most people really get an idea. You you have to get a director of photography, you have to get the wardrobe right, you have to get the makeup right, you have to get the sound right, the lights right, you have to get all that stuff right, and the writing. And film to me is that you know all the great arts combined um uh and you have to get all those all those artists on one page to make these these masterpieces that we see you know? and uh I'm just having fun trying really you know so right. uh yeah, and you're right, you know just having the opportunity to even get to try is is pretty pretty exciting, and um uh, just gonna keep doing my best and and hopefully
0: uh the people out there enjoy the work. Uh, you know, I loved your, I loved your character, on, character on Star Trek. And, you know, it, it's very difficult for people to, to kind of pinpoint characters when it comes. You know, my friend, when I was talking about Star Trek Voyager, that was not his favorite favorite series for him. It, it was another series. And for, for me, I had to explain to him, it's like, it's not, it doesn't really work that way, I think, in the Star Trek world. I think it's just pretty much a ongoing storyline that keeps on going. And it's not about liking one over the other. You have to kind of watch them all to kind of get a grip on it. Be, being that, that it said, what has been your response on Star Trek Voyager in comparison, probably in your mind, to the other Star Trek shows itself? I, I, I guess I don't understand the question. What the you mean? question is this. All, all the other shows are based on, like, the Enterprise. Even Deep Space Nine, mm. it meets the Enterprise. The Enterprise locks on. The connection is between uh, when Captain Carr became a Borg, he killed the ca- Captain Cisco's wife. Uh, and that's uh-huh. their connection together. They, they have conflict. But in Voyager, you don't have that generations Captain mccard connection. And in that way, it's a bit of a separate universe or a separate world. But she becomes an admiral when she goes back home. Did you no, feel that right. effect? And then, that it was-
2: and then even Enterprise goes back to the beginning. and, and Yeah, sort of.
0: Exactly. But, exactly. So she was... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> the question is did you feel that effect uh along the way or, or or was it just star trek world
2: yeah no i didn't i mean i you bringing that up now has just kind of blown my brain i didn't realize that they, it was so enterprise focused until you said it um so that's a new thought to me. <laughs> yeah i didn't know. Uh, you know what do you think uh, about, uh, what do
0: you think about it now
2: yeah, I, I think that's pretty neat that it is—it is its own uh, sort of entity in a way, in different quadrant, different part of the galaxy, different characters. Yeah. It's neat that that. But I mean, Deep Space Nine was also the same way, right? There wasn't a lot of Enterprise there. Which it was. That's sort of its own yeah. show too, isn't it? No, for the most part. Yeah. The
0: Voyager, Voyager kept on. I mean, the, uh, Generation uh, the um, the Enterprise came back several times: first season, second season, and I believe third season where Riker kept on coming back, but B- Picard did not. Picard had the first initial scenes when Sisko um, counteracted with him. And, and his whole thing, his whole dilemma with religion and faith and, and the Borg and fighting was based on his relationship between Kevin Picard and his wife being murdered by her. And the only way wow. Voyager is actually connected with Enterprise is if you look at uh, uh, Star Trek Nemesis, the movie, when um, Kate Maru McG- talks to her, talks to him on the phone or on, on, you know, on a video phone, and she's an admiral now. That's the only connection between Voyager and Enterprise or Star Trek Enterprise in that world, which I th- I, I thought was very awesome because you guys were a stand-alone Star Trek world where we have Paris and we've got – we have an Asian character. We've got Paris. We've got this. We've got that. And they don't – and they're in the Delta Quadrant. And they have very little to do with almost Earth and what's happening down there, except for the connections we have with secondary characters from the Enterprise world as well, which which is awesome.
2: Oh, and That's the funny. Doctor. The Doctor makes a couple of visits to the the film, That's too, right. or at least one. Um, right. But he's the hologram. He can jump between any of those places. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, I didn't know because I didn't watch enough of um, Deep Space Nine to realize that that was the, the plot. I don't you know. Probably only saw three or four episodes of that show, and I was—I'm more of a fan. I'm not a TV fan in general. I'm a mm. film fan. But I watch movies right. like crazy. I don't watch a lot of television. Um, yeah. And I'd only seen a few episodes of Voyager when I when I got the part. But I am a huge really? fan of the Star Trek films. Films. So I, I was just excited to be a part of the franchise at all when I got the role. But mostly, I had just seen, you know. Um, a few episodes here and there but mostly I was a fan of the the movies. Um
0: which so one's your
2: I I sort of have a limited perspective I my favorite you know I don't know I guess it's cuz I'm a modern guy of this generation but I think the new films are incredible. Um I I I love the old cast I think Star Trek is inherently Spock Bones Kirk that's how it started you know her that whole cast right. Um, and that, so it's neat to know that they've reincarnated that so, with the new actors and the new storyline so well. And then such mm. and just, you know, JJ J. J. Abrams is, you know, maybe such a thrill to get to work with that guy. I, I don't want to be in the new star Wars too. I want to be in Batman and I want to be in this new star Wars. Damn <laughs> it. Um, I don't believe you at all. Yeah, I mean, he just did such a great job of reinventing this thing that works so well. And those actors, did. he he did such a good job of casting, writing, et cetera. And those actors have just nailed it down, too. Um, You know, I love it when the the Star Trek uh, fans, you know, nitpick and and get angry and this, that, or the other about what was done wrong or what was done right. To me obviously that second film was a con remake and a, a respin and people were angry about that you know i the, the stuff that i did read online about you know whether the film was good or bad the, mo- the most of the people that were angry was that it was uh, hey why don't you create something new but to me right. i was like that is such a great respinning of the con story like that's that was fantastic how could you be angry at that um right so i don't know i i'm just always excited to see what's next and whether i think it it's right or not i always think it's well done so i'm a fan of the right. new movies what, more than
0: anything that at least means my next question as an actor when you're watching this new film when you're watching the first star trek film did you you as an actor look at the film and go i could have played that part my character would have been great in this film did, did you play that in your mind or did you just enjoy the film always
2: always I can't <laughs> not do that I actually just recently met Carl Urban we hung out at a, a convention in Australia
0: no and to me Dr.
2: Dread? Carl, Carl, Dread. Carl Urban is he, he he's me 10 years from now I mean that guy and me are like the same character type that's that's my bag so I'm like I'm just glad you're 10 years older than me because maybe in 10 years I'll get my shot um he's a so, he's course, a badass so. Yeah, he's fantastic. He did a great, great job of that character. But, yeah, if I was going to play anybody in that movie, it probably would have been Bones. That's, just, that's my
0: character type. So, um, You know, you, should, nice you to- should talk to him about being in uh, The Secret of Dread. Because that Dread film was fantastic, and they want to make a sequel to yeah, that film. I think you'd be brilliant in that film.
2: I That film was fantastic. And, uh, you know, uh, all thumbs up to his work. The worst part when you're an actor is when you watch a show – or a film that you know you could have done better, and uh, you know, and with the uh, with Star Trek, I was like, wow, all those actors just knocked it out of the park, and, and right. so it's it's hard to be jealous of good work, but it's bad work that I go I go, damn it, how did I miss that <laughs> chance?
0: Yeah, <laughs> um, unfortunately, my wife likes to remind me of those things. We'll watch a movie, and she'd be like, you could have wrote a better movie than that. I'm like, uh, yeah, but it's already made, so. <laughs> Yeah. It's a moot point at this point. <laughs> I saw a great movie by Arnold Schwarzenegger the other day called Sabotage, which I thought was oh, a fantastic that- film. I yeah. on so ne-
2: Netflix. Same thing last week, and I, I see Sabotage on Netflix, and I go, oh, that's the new Schwarzenegger movie. And I go, uh, I wasn't excited about it for some reason. This is this right. is how lazy we get as 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 people that watch movies. I go, ah, uh, it's a Schwarzenegger movie. Uh, I got nothing better to do. Why not? That film right. was incredible, and I don't know why I had that attitude going into it. Because if you go back through Schwarzenegger's career, Total Recall, etc., right. the guy puts out fantastic movies. What, where was right. I thinking? Okay, he's burnt out now. He's old, and I, I'm I'm just going to watch this because I'm a nice guy. Bottom line, right. he still has it. He's he's even more interesting to watch because he's still ripped and huge, but he's older. He's got more character. He's lived a life. He's been our governor for he's got a lot going on and it, and he sort of played a bad guy at the same time for the first time in that movie, you know, um, the lines were crossed between, you know, Schwarzenegger usually is the hero. Um, and you know, it it was neat to see him sort of play somebody that had a little bit of dirt under his collar. Um, and the guy that made that movie is the guy that made training day and end of the watch and all those really intense cop dramas. I was, I thought that movie was incredible.
0: Sabotage was really good. That was very. It was was the. uh, I think it was the shock of the year for me when I saw that film. Uh, Other than Looper, uh, when I saw this film, I was like, uh, "This film is very good." Did it get a release at all? And the actors are fantastic too. You get the one character from like True Blood. You get what's your name from The Killing. You get a lot Mm -hmm. of. You get what's his name from Avatar. I mean, these are main. These are main actors. These are not just two-bit characters. These are. Huge actors in a film with Arnold Schwarzenegger. I was shocked to see it on Netflix without a, a movie release, but that's, that seems to be the future of digital media.
2: Yeah, there is no doubt that that the networks are all; it's they're all. It's all going to be Amazon, Netflix, and and everything's going to be digital download uh, and. He, I think there's going to be a lot more films, you know, watched on the computer or watched on your smart TV, and that that's going to be the future of how, uh, you know, the entertainment is is purchased. Um, yeah. And I think network TV is probably going to go by the wayside too. I think it'll it'll all be bandwidth. I think it'll so all too. be internet. I, I, um, I mean, that's that seems,
0: active, And, and you, I'm also, or, you know, or are you looking forward to that? No,
2: I think you know Netflix. I thought was brilliant when they decided to you know create all their own content and 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 even bring back old shows because the networks were like, hey, you know, let's we're going to let this show go, and Netflix is like, well, if you're going to let it go, we'll do it, and if you're not going to do the, this content because it's too r- risque for TV, then we'll do it, and I I, I like that attitude, so. And I like the stuff that's coming out on Netflix and it's winning Emmys and the stuff that's coming out on Amazon. And it just leaves more room for less restrictive television. And I'm a sort of a rated R guy. You know, I I don't like a whole lot. You know, I like if I'm going to go see a movie, I want the R rating. Um, So, right. I'm just. Excited to see more content and more channels, and I think it's nothing but a good thing for the industry. The tricky thing as an actor is, is you know how they're going to establish the criteria to get us all fairly paid, because that right. hasn't happened. Um, so that's the only thing I'm a little concerned about. Otherwise, um, it, I think it's a good thing for you know people that like movies.
0: Right. You know, we were talking earlier about pirating and people downloading films off the cuff. How do, you, how do you, you know, I know a lot, we, we all do this. We, we all watch films after we've seen it in the theaters. We can't wait to see Guardians as soon as possible when it comes out on DVD, Blu-ray, or, or, or Torrent and what have you. You know, and Neil Gaiman actually had a real problem with that at first. He had a problem with pirating because we were pirating his books. So what he did was he actually took his book, he sent it off for free across the world, and people translate into their own countries' languages really fast without his permission. It was, it was pirated and then he had a 300% boost in his circulation of his of his graphic novels after that. And wow. now he's for now he's for that world, for that world of, you know, contributing art, putting art out there for the sake of art, and then it'll also pay back in the future when people buy your books. Do you see that for your future for for making films as well? Have you thought about that about how future movies are going to be made and how the money's going to be made and be contributed to you as an actor. and Is that important to
2: you? Well, he, you know, he's sort of a lucky, uh, you know, not lucky. I mean, he, he's a really talented guy that's worked very hard for his career, but he's in a position where he can make that choice um, right. and say that, uh, you know, I can, I can release something for free now because he's a wealthy guy. Um, right. I've always been against it, even back when the you know people started to get you know the music industry. It was sort of destroyed by uh, right. The, what was that called? Uh, it started with Napster, and then and
0: it was Napster. You know, the, Napster. all the
2: record labels went down, and and nobody's selling albums anymore unless you're a, a pop star or a big hip hop star. And for the most part, those guys are even you know making most of their money touring. Um. I think it's a dangerous thing to think it's okay to take, you know, something that people have spent $160 million producing and think that it's okay for you just to have a copy. Right. Because these monies do need to be made back. And um, I think people are really right. That girl you said about Kick-Ass said, uh, well, yeah, we're not going to make a third one because we didn't make enough money to make the next one. Exactly. We don't have uh, any money, though. Yeah, um, I, I think, you know, you made a point earlier that maybe, you know, I had my armor up pretty big about that. I never downloaded music and I never, I, I don't want people, I want people to buy my movies and, and pay to watch my movies. I think what's neat is that, you know, for instance, uh, for instance, that's funny, there's a, I just did this film for uh, Roddenberry Entertainment called Instant, uh, the son of uh Gene is is kind of spreading his wings out of graphic novels and and, uh, made this really, really beautiful um, short film called Instant. And I think it's going to play at some festivals and and some, some of the bigger film festivals. But then he was talking about, and I don't want to put words in his mouth because this isn't official yet, but he was talking about putting it up for free on his website as soon as it gets done with the short film festival circuit. So he basically did the same thing. I'm going to throw a bunch of money into something and just release it for free and let people see this because it's an amazing story. And um, right. so there's definitely something to be said for it. And then you made an interesting argument that go see the movie in the theaters, pay the eight. You yep. know, In L. A. It's eighteen fifty now to see a movie. That's enough money to get back to something. Uh, and then if you want to illegally download it, go ahead. Yes. <laughs> I think you know. You know it doesn't make any in, in sense, sense to me. That that,
0: you, yeah. at least pay for right? one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. I mean, you know, this, <laughs> this is my problem a lot of times. You know, these. I understand why why kids will stick around at home. I mean, the music industry. I, I've known a lot of people in the music industry, and, and, and it's their fault they didn't catch up to digital cinema or digital media and put out their music faster for cheaper through net, iTunes and all that. To me, it's a music industry problem, just like it was Blockbuster's problem that they went out of business. Because so I asked the manager yeah. once, I'm like, why are you going out of business? And he goes, well, we should have been Netflix. <laughs> so when I look at the movie industry, it's one of the last sacred zones left. Whereas we have to be extremely careful because if you don't contribute money to these films, no sequel will be made. Only big Blockbuster films will be made. And actors actually will will, will not be introduced anymore. Because you won't have small, smaller budget films, nobody can afford <coughs> it anymore, you have to go see the film. If you like P.T. Anderson, you have to go see it in the theaters first.
2: Yeah, and that's a, it is a real dangerous thing because with the new digital age and the digital camera, we've gone from 5,000 movies a year to like 50,000 movies a year that get produced. Yeah. And there's only enough for a few of those to be seen. Um, and right. so... And then independent cinema is sort of getting pushed by the wayside, you know. Um, And independent film has really, truthfully, not, it's not independent anymore. There's not a whole lot of people making independent movies, raising their own money. It's normally studio conglomerates making a new entity of themselves, producing films for $1 to $5 million, you know. Under a different name, and then you know, calling that independent film. So these movies that that do come out um, that are, they need an audience and they need people to keep watching them. Or yeah, it will be nothing but the blockbusters. Um, right. And the, with the with the death of DVD, for guys like myself that are trying to produce independent cinema, one of the last. Places to sell that was the DVD market in Europe, the, um, and the and since since everything is going to go to this digital download place, it, it looks like it's right. starting to kind of balance out. Because I was looking at Amazon Prime the other day, and you know there was films up there for a decent amount of money, but I, right. I would just uh, you know I would ask people that are into entertainment and into diversity and watching different movies to. You know, buy an independent movie every now and then instead of just the the hundred plus million dollar, eighty million dollar studio movies. Right. Um, but it's kind of neat because if you go on, they're sort of figuring things out. You know, if you go, Ninja Turtles is twenty bucks on Amazon Prime, but then a movie like Wheels, it comes out for ten. And to me, that you know, that's a, just great movie, Wheels. Um, that's going to be out pretty soon. Here, I just caught the other day. Um, so I think the prices will. we're in a weird time now where we, who knows how this whole thing's going to work? But I think it'll work right. itself out. Like you said, um, the the music industry is is people have figured out how to pay for their music online and not pay as much as they used to. But there's still a, a sure. there'll still be a place well, for, for everything.
0: I was really happy to see The Fifth Passenger get such a gigantic smack with the, with the, the Kickstarter program. It, it just showed that people wanted to contribute to a film that people were sincere about, uh, writing that was quality, actors that were there, and, and quality as well, obviously. Uh, it, it showed to me that people still wanted these films to be made, and the only way sometimes to make them be made is to contribute.
2: Yeah, and, and uh, that guys like P.T. Anderson that I have such a huge respect for. Like <clears throat> we've been sharing, I, I love all that guy's movies, and he he comes from the independent cinema world. His first film was Heart Eight, and yes, all these young out uh, out young through. kids or new filmmakers are you know that's where we start. You know, we start in that under a million dollar realm and uh, try to make the uh, an amazing film, and if a distributor, a top notch, top fifteen distributor, or if you have the chutzpah in you to uh market it yourself and take it from city to city and, and um release it yourself that's where the new geniuses are gonna come from so we have to make a conscious effort to keep that realm alive. Otherwise yeah it'll just be the old guys making the same stuff. <laughs>
0: You know, Manu, we're we're so glad we had you today. We're looking forward to talking to you. I, mean, I can talk to you for literally another hour, but it's been two hours now. So I, okay, we're, we're going to wrap this up. I can talk to you for another hour, literally. I mean, we we just started warming up here. But, I, you know, I, I'm very interested in Star Trek Renegades. I'm really looking forward to this. And The Fifth Passenger, I'm really looking forward to these films as well. Now, let me ask you a question. I'm like you. I was born in Santa Cruz. I'm a young man right now. I wouldn't go out there and make something of myself. I see you. I see you on Facebook. I send you a message. Can you give me some advice on how to, how to, on any, any idea on how to make it in Hollywood and what my thought process should be? Should I go to school and study? Should I go out to LA and try a couple parts? What should I do?
2: Well, what is it that you want? First of all, pick the field, because there there are so many things to do in film, um, depending on whether I want you are want an actor. You.
0: Let's just say I want to be you. I want to be an actor yeah. just like you. Yeah.
2: Actor, producer. Um, from a young age, first of all, if you want to get some, your feet wet into acting, I think it's most important to get out to, and you don't even have to get out, because that's also how things are changing. Um, if you can just get represented by an agent in some local cities like New York, L.A., um, Atlanta, um, Louisiana has got a lot of uh, production in it, Dallas even. Um, if you get these local agencies to look out for work, you a lot of things, a lot of shows, a lot of TV is getting cast now strictly from putting yourself on tape. Um, mm-hmm. So... If you can the but the first step is going out there and convincing an agent and a manager or at least an agent that you have some talent and that you can do this and those guys will will be half responsible for getting you auditions, and then you're half responsible for the rest, getting yourself other auditions and opportunities but there's so much available now um casting sites on the internet uh cast.com and cast now and um, a lot of things are being offered you know especially in independent roles and and independent productions straight from auditions where you can you can mail your tape in and put your put yourself on tape so step one get the agent step two get your nose to the grindstone and start looking for where the production's coming from and, uh, you know, moving to LA or New York is always a good idea if you're really, really serious about it. Um, right. but what I always tell young actors is it, it's a very hard business and, and you, you, you could live your whole life, you know, barely scraping by. Um, and are you going to be happy at, at 40 years old if you just have a, a little tiny bit of money in the bank and you're, you're making movies. Um, you're, it, it I always tell people if they have any other passion in life, they should probably pursue it because acting is right up there with being a musician or being a poet, not much chance of making a real good living at it. You know, it's a huge gamble. So, you know, make sure that you definitely have the passion for it and that it's what you want to do with your life. And, um, if you question that, you know, maybe try, try the other thing, try school, try, try the academic, academic world. But, um, as many young actors as I can convince to get out of the business, so that I can have your parts. Get out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I got to be honest. That's not something. That's not something I would not think myself. I would think, oh no, this is way too hard for you to do. Just give me your application. And I'll take care of that yourself. <laughs> <laughs> what would I want you to take my part? Come on, man yeah (laughs) um but you know get and and, and
2: get out there and and, you know write the stuff or or if you know good writers it's it's producing is about getting talented people together that believe in something uh, and going forward you know if you want to make movies start making movies get yourself a little camera and and gather the people that you know and and start making them um so many people are launching themselves like you know you've got this podcast here um uh, in radio show, you know, so many people are g- broken into the mainstream just by making a show every week and putting it up and g- gathering an audience. Right. So there's a lot of different so ways What I'm, I'm hearing from you is through. a lot
0: of passion and hard work.
2: Yeah, that's definitely mm-hmm. it. And I didn't get that as a kid. You know, I was a spoiled kid, and <laughs> it, it, I, I if you get that young, that hey, you've got to pay your dues and go out there and and, and work and, and uh, every day get up and kind of pound the pavement for where that next job is coming from, whether it's a play, oh. a movie, commercial, whatever. Just, you know, onward.
0: Yeah. Well, Mindy, you your character in Star Trek was pivotal and inspirational for a lot of people in the Star Trek world uh, when they watched that show. And I know a lot of people just adore Voyager. Your character was incredibly important, and, and we, we really appreciate the contribution to your acting to, to the world as well because, you know, we want favorite characters. We want people in there that change the storylines, that make us think, that inspire us to write. And whether that was your uh, modus operandi to do that or not, you did that, and uh, we're extremely grateful for you to be each other. Now It was a great character. It was dark and great, and uh, we're very much looking forward to your future. We know your future is going to be bright, which is what we want to on the show as soon as possible. Before you forgot about us. Now I know you forget no, about I mean, us in the future because you'll be the next Batman. But I'll be on the set with you, so don't worry about it. Right.
2: <laughs> oh, I'd rather play the villain. You can be Batman. I'll be the next good Batman. Villain. No, no, no. I want to direct it.
0: I, I don't want to be Batman. I'll be I'll be too old all for right. But I'll, I'll I'll direct it and I'll write it and and then uh, you could be you play the Joker and I'll I'll play it. I'll write your great part for that
2: part.
0: <laughs> okay. So I'll so man, are oh, you want to play the Joker?
2: Or, yeah, or Penguin.
0: Uh, or Joker did you know
2: English. you know that it'd be an interesting look do you remember when batman you know just right after the nolan films where in the comic books uh, the new sure. batman came along the kid mm-hmm. that was a little more vicious and willing to to break batman's rules i think it'd be cool to see a film about that batman not the bruce wayne batman you know the 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 guy that took over oh, for a while and, uh, i forget his name what's his name oh do you remember
0: i actually lost you my What were you saying again?
2: Oh, I was saying it would be cool to see. I remember, you know, uh, back in the Batman comics
0: that that were being
2: written that Nolan based his Batman on right after he got his back broken by Bane, that new kid took over for a while that was that sort of bent the rules with killing people and and was not the same, you know, didn't have the same morality about uh, the job. And I don't remember the character's name or the kid that him in the universe, but I think it would be neat to see a film about Batman, not the Bruce Wayne one, but the other one. He had claws, he had a different look, he had like that red cowl. Yeah. Um, That'd be awesome. Have you you read the new comics with the Court of Owls, the Scott Snyder Batman?
0: Yes, those are awesome. Oh, those are
2: sick, and I think I'd love to see those make the films too. With some new, the, the Court of Owls, and uh, it's just neat to see new villains. You know, I want to see some oh, new ones.
0: You know? So do I. It, it would be a, yeah. it would be a sick movie. And why, by what, by watching Suicide Squads being put together, especially with Will Smith and Oprah Winfrey, it just gives you a lot of great inspiration of. What the future is going to hold for these films? You know they're going to put the Joker in a, in a standalone film, and they're they're going to put a little bit of Batman in that film, the Suicide Squad. But that's insane to think the fact that they're going to reintroduce the Joker in in a brand new storyline. Uh, with 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 uh, a yeah, Tom Hardy who plays Bane, Bane is going to be going to be insane. Yeah, it's going to be fun
2: to see Harley Quinn too. That's a character I wanted to see. Oh. Be fun. Harley
0: <laughs> Quinn is my Harley Quinn is my favorite. Yeah, I love yeah. I, you know what? I can't wait to see you in these films in the future. I cannot wait to see your your career blow up and for you to be in these films and for us to have another conversation and laugh about these uh, these these times we talk to each other about these things. Because, you know, I can hear the inspiration in your voice. I can hear the drive. Uh, I can see you post. I I know that you you desire things and and that's what you want in an actor. You you want somebody to desire things and you want to give it to them. Because out of all the people in the world, actors are the people that, that separate you from, like, the horrible things that are happening in the universe right now. You go to see yeah. them to take you away from those things. That's that's why your your characters and your personality is so important to us. Well, you, take you, 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 you away
2: s- and bring you directly to those experiences, you yeah. know? Yes. Yeah, the yes. actors can take you away from them, and they can also give you a, a closer insight into the into the troubles and the the heavy lives that are lived in the world. And I love both. Money. I love a film that's out of reality and makes me happy, and 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 makes me happy about humanity. And I also love a movie like this upcoming Pablo Escobar film that like Benicio de Toro is doing that gives you a really a look into like the the heaviness of the world. So.
0: Um, I'm sorry, Manu, I I need to to stop you. They just gave me a 60-second countdown right now. Uh, Let's find out how to... I'm sorry, Manu. Everybody, this is such a great interview with Manu. I would love to stay on here for another hour. They gave me 30 seconds left. 60 seconds, actually. How could we find you? We want to find you today. We want to go to your Facebook, Twitter, Instagram account. We want to attack you today and then follow your, your career for the rest of your life. How can we find you?
2: Well... Yeah, uh, definitely go look up my name m-a-n-u-i-n-t-i-r-a-y-m-i at imdb and check out all the projects I have coming up and take a close look at them because there's a lot of things coming but you can follow me on facebook at www.facebook.com backslash monuente reme or follow me on twitter at monuente um I have a Facebook fan page that I officially go to at least a couple times a day. And uh, any messages you want to get to me, you can get to me there or Twitter.
0: Thank you, Manu. Thank you so much for being on yeah. the show today. You are a, you're a blessing and a great person.
2: Yeah, and everybody check out the Fifth Passenger trailer if they haven't done it yet. www.fifthpassenger.com.
0: Thanks, man. Passenger. Thanks, We're going to post everything today. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Manu. Have a great weekend. God bless. Yeah, see you, man. Thank you, brother. thank you, audience. Uh, thank you for holding on in there. Uh, the show is done. We're we're done with the show. Have yourself a great weekend. God bless everybody. Thank you, Manu, for being on the show today. Have yourself a fantastic weekend.